San Francisco is an animal and a beast in itself to open up a restaurant. It's very, very difficult. Um, I think after doing this, we built it from the ground up. We would never do that again in a brand new building. Thank you so much for tuning in to the What's Good Dough podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you share it. If you want to get in touch with me, follow us on Instagram at What's Good Dough. And remember to always ask, what's good dough? What's happening? What's good dough? It's your boy, Idriff. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? I'm doing great in case any of you were wondering. Thanks. Um, today we have Ryan and Christina from Pizza Squared over in San Francisco, California. Love it. They do square pizzas. Love it. Hopefully you all can learn a bunch from this power couple who manages multiple businesses, who has had some restaurant experience, but never pizza. We talk about the struggles, the grind, the result, the work in progress, the dream. Hope y'all enjoy the show. Please let me know. What's good, though? Hopping on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. Thank you. We were just talking about the coronavirus. We can go into your story. Let's just, you know, keep it, keep the flow going. There's really no structure. Um, but yeah, you all said you're hanging in there, surviving. How is everything? Um, you know, we've always been takeout and delivery. That's been our concept. So, you know, we do not compare ourselves with sit-down restaurants. We are doing, you know, we're doing okay. Business has slumped a little bit, but I feel like, you know, everything's moving back, um, opening back up a little bit now. So we are seeing a little uptake in volume in the past couple past couple weeks, almost a month now. It's been It's been better. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I can imagine the last couple of months... Did you have any sleepless nights or anything like that? Oh yeah, it was when it first, um, when we first went into SIP, literally that week, the following week, all our employees lost all their jobs. We were the only things that they had remaining. We were the only employee, employer they had remaining left. So that was just a huge wake up call. Within a week, everything just flipped around 180. So we're just slowly climbing out of that hole right now. Yeah, and uh, most of our, I would say, uh, uh, a larger portion of our business is uh, lunch business with all the offices, you know, in the surrounding area. And uh, so once um, offices closed, you know, we lost a lot of lunch and catering business, and um, um, and more of our business became um, a dinner business. So it's kind of flipped for us, whereas, you know, initially we were probably like, you know, 65% lunch and 35% dinner. Um, now we're more um, 35% lunch and 65% dinner. Wow, complete 180. Yeah. And our uh, it's kind of and delivery is now half of our business, more than half of our business now. And we have not had any catering orders in the last 2 months. We used to have one or two a week, but no longer doing catering. So it's just fully moved into all the um, delivery platforms. That makes a lot of sense, considering you are predominantly a takeout delivery, a local neighborhood joint, serving up business people during their lunches. No one's working at their office. And so they're stuck at home working from home and they're ordering from a a neighborhood pizza joint. Are you in an area, you all are in the design uh, district, is that what it is? Correct, so much. Is is that mainly... um, only businesses around you or are they multi-use buildings where there are at least a a few residents how does that look the the building that we're in is is a new building that was just uh built uh uh in 2000 like fall of 2018 and um so there's ground floor retail um and about 400 apartment units above and there's there's also a bunch of other um, uh, new buildings in that area, 
you know, in the two, three block radius. Uh, but mostly it's still um, uh, tech space, office space. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a significant difference. And then you were talking earlier about the staff, too. It's just everyone being affected by this. Um, it's it's an ecosystem. And, you know, it's like one person gets hit. It's like a bowling uh, alley effect, even. You know, uh, were you saying earlier that your staff lost all their jobs except for yours or including yours? That's what I wanted to get clarification on. Um except for us you know most of our employees uh, have um, you know one other possibly two other jobs and you know the ones that worked at uh, full service restaurants yeah um, lost their job but wow. us, we were always just uh, uh, primarily uh, takeout and delivery um, you know we we didn't have to close at any point. Um, we just have a, a bar height counter in our um, pizzeria that, that uh, you know, three, three, four people can stand. But uh, otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, we're just kind of a grab and go place. That's so interesting. And, and I'm glad you're able to provide these types of jobs, um, you know, and stay open. Was business what percentage of business overall, if let's say 100% was, you know, early March, would you say averaging out between March and today, June, what percentage of your business is going compared to the 100% in March? So that uh, business was really, really down when SIP hit. I mean, in it March. was in March. I'd say we were down uh, for March. We were probably down about uh, 30% uh, from, you know, uh, from February and January, but uh, you know now we've pretty much since recovered uh, entirely to you know kind of pre-COVID numbers. But there's a lot of factors that go into that. We had prepared heavily for COVID before it hit um, the Bay Area. I'm Korean, and so in Korea it had hit maybe two, three weeks prior. So all the information that we were getting, we were getting directly from Korea and we were following what they were doing. So we had implemented, you know, distancing and cleaning and not having people sit and and getting all of the um, delivery apps. So we, we got them all. We have Caviar, we have Postmates, we had DoorDash. So we fully prepared for all of that. So that helped tremendously. And also we had to, we had to do our homework. We couldn't just sit back and let COVID take over. So we were, um, we got on all to all the websites on how that we could help the frontline workers, how we could help people in the SROs, how we could help the homeless people and um, hooked up with a lot of great companies to help us through that. So we're now working with SF New Deal and they, such an interesting story with them. They were, um, they got funded by, I think it was the CEO of Stripe, and he donated a million dollars to one of his local bakeries. And with that money, they provide food to the people who needed it at the most at the time. And they did it through small businesses. So they onboarded restaurants and provided us with meals um, that we could deliver weekly. So we've been doing that for the past month, and that's helped tremendously too. This community support that we're seeing uh, within the restaurant industry as a whole is overwhelmingly positive, at least for pizzerias that I've noticed. It's just pizza is the ultimate lunch food. It's the ultimate happy food. People like just gravitate towards it. And I think that it became instantly the pandemic food. Can I get clarification? What's an SRO? Oh, single resident occupancy. Ah, I see. So they were delivering it. Uh, they helped, they partnered with you to deliver to the, to them, including the other ones that you listed earlier. Yes. So every week we get a different, um, assignment. Excellent. Yeah. I see, I see a bunch of that popping up. You know, my realtor friend is in a Taiwanese group and they delivered to Taiwanese senior citizens. It's like everyone's pitching in and helping others and all this collaboration has been able to keep some businesses afloat. I want to go back to the intuition that you had, uh, Christina, that, oh my goodness, let me see what's going on in my home country. And figure out what they're doing because you're right korea was like the number one topic in the news talk to me about like setting up your 
DoorDash or Uber Eats, but also are you on Crave It? Crave It, yes. Actually, that is hilarious. Um, do you know Bomani? I know um, one of his tech partners, um, Winston. He is uh, a college friend of mine. He helped found the company and i saw his video on your ig or at least the founder so um, feel free. Yeah, go um, is dates my daughter's preschool teacher oh i mean kindergarten teacher <laughs> nice so connection. through her kindergarten teacher Addie, we met bomani and that's how we connected ah so yes we're on there as well <laughs> i figured we'd give him a plug why not exactly <laughs> How lucky were you to just get it all done before all this hectic, um, hectic this started? Is that a word? All this craziness started. Well, um, yeah. So what I heard in Korea that delivery was kind of how everybody, all the restaurants were pivoting towards. So we had gone through and onboarded all of the platforms. So at, at that point, it was still pretty like nobody really thought it was going to hit as as hard and ferociously as it did. So then we had already been um, onboarding. So after SIP, I that's when I heard it was like difficult to even get in contact with any of the um, delivery apps. So we had already set up and we were okay. Gold Belly stopped taking people for a minute there. A bunch of other apps, Caviar, I'm sure, they're all, I bet, jam-packed because everyone is working last minute or just you know as soon as it started whatever the case may be but if you hadn't done it before you've just kind of got yourself stuck yeah it's gonna be a month late when i tried onboarding other family businesses india was closed so for them to do the mint a lot of places and for them to uh, upload the menu had to go through india and india was completely closed so it was two to three weeks just waiting to even get on to their um, apps. So that was- Wow, that's amazing. I didn't even, I'm so glad you brought that up. I didn't even consider, you know, like kind of like the back end portion of it. Um, so backed up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It doesn't just rely on the people in America, right? Yeah. It's, it's, where, it's everywhere else they source work from or to, however you look at it. And if, if they're affected, you're not going to get anything done over here or you can't get as much done. Wow. That is so interesting. I can't believe that. So I'm glad you all were able to get in. I'm sure that helped a ton yes. in the business. Yeah. Um, how do you two normally split your time? Because obviously if you're busy, you know, doing the day to day and you wouldn't have time to even think about how do I prep for this? How do you all find the time and the balance for that? You know, we have two small kids, and so, you know, once uh, uh, SIP hit, our kids were um, not able to go to school. So Christina uh, was spending time um, at home taking care of them, and uh, basically um, I went in and, and um, ran the shop, you know, set everything up in the shop in the morning. And, you know, Christina did a lot of a lot of the, the back end, you know, uh, responsibilities. Divide and conquer. Yeah, perfect. And you know what? That's one of the benefits of being a husband and wife team. You have that that partnership, right? Um, but can you be honest with me? What are some of the challenges about, you know, running this pizza business with your significant other? Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> my la my next one canceled on me. You can go on forever. As good as it is, of course, there's challenging parts. But at the end of the day, no matter how tiring, how challenging it is, when Ryan is doing something with the kids, I am completely 100% at, at ease. If Ryan's at the restaurant, at the pizzeria, I'm completely 100% at ease. So that's the benefit. That's the major benefit is that as hard as it is, as challenging as it is, as much as times you guys are butting heads, there's this sense of you got it. You got it at home. You got it at the pizzeria or vice versa. And that is so comforting. And during these crazy times, it's such, um, it's peace of mind that you can't even pay for. Sounds like a blessing. Yeah, for us, there was always a, a 
a natural split of responsibilities uh, with with the pizzeria. You know, Christina has a lot of experience uh, with front of the house um, for uh, fast casual restaurants because uh, her family um, have have a couple of taquerias, and so so she has experience a lot of experience with front of the house. And uh, my responsibilities were in the kitchen, you know, um, all the, the dough recipes and, and uh, um, topping combinations. So, uh, yeah, those were my responsibilities at the pizzeria. So, yeah, it was always... Uh, uh, Well-balanced. Yeah, good partnership. That's amazing. Now, did you two meet and think, oh, yeah, we're going to open up a restaurant together? Or, you know, did you get married and then, hey... I have front of house experience. My family owns restaurants. Let's open another one. How did that? It didn't go like that at all. Drag Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. And I said, Ryan, we're opening up a pizzeria. And he said, what? We don't know anything about pizzeria. So I said, you better start, you better start educating yourself. <laughs> Felt real organically. I had um, a taqueria across the street that was open for about 13 years. And so the plan was always, you know, to open up another concept and to do it nearby since I would be able to manage the two. And so when the building across the street was getting developed, um, somebody came and said, you know what, there's no good pizza in the area, Christina. That should be the new concept. So I came home and I told Ryan, we're opening up a pizzeria. <laughs> Boom, just smack him in the face while he's watching the kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking awesome um and now am i correct in the research to assume that it was going to start off as a neapolitan pizza spot or was it always detroit no um our concept was always uh uh square pizza so you know we thought to stand out um yeah let's do uh, uh pan pizza sicilian style pizza and you know we're we were both uh, big fans of Golden Boy. You know, we, we were both uh, uh, San Francisco natives. So, you know, we, we liked Golden Boy pizza growing up and and Square Pizza also, you know, um, was a, a, a childhood memory of Christina, you know, at school getting uh, uh, pan pizza for lunch. So yeah, the the concept was always uh, Sicilian style, and um, while we were you know just researching Sicilian style, uh, we went to the Pizza Expo in Las Vegas and um, came across Detroit style. You know, this was like a up and coming style, and was also made in in a steel pan. So we thought, oh, this this would go well you know, with, with our concept and we would just do a pan pizza concept. So, yeah. So that's how, um, we settled on Sicilian and Detroit style. In terms of square and Detroit and Sicilian, for those who don't know what that main difference is, you know, you kind of mentioned the pan. Um, what else? Yeah. Sicilian style is cooked in uh, a shallow pan. Um, so you, you have a, a traditional uh, crust uh, around the perimeter of, of the pizza. Detroit style um, is cooked in a taller pan, um, probably like about uh, four inches uh, tall pan. So the cheese um, along the perimeter gets caramelized when um, you cook the pizza. So it kind of has this... Uh, uh, burnt cheesy uh, perimeter crust. So that's that's primarily the difference between the two. And Detroit is proofed a little bit longer, so that you know has uh, it's a little bit uh, thicker than Sicilian style, but still uh, nice and airy and fluffy. Yeah, but they're you know they're similar styles. I mean, essentially Detroit style pizza is uh, a Sicilian style pizza cooked in a taller pan. Right. And then, you know, like you said, there's that cheese crust. Um, I love I love both of them, to be honest. I can't tell which one's my favorite yet. They're just both so amazing. Are you are you using the same dough ball for each uh, pizza? Or are you creating different 
uh, dough types? Yeah, we, we have a different dough formula for the two pizzas. Um, for our uh, Sicilian uh, um, uh, dough, you know, we, we, we do a blend of, of uh, high protein flour and bread flour, and we mix in a little uh, uh, semolina and rye flour. And, you know, the hydration level is, is somewhere around 70%, whereas for our uh, Detroit pizza, it's also a blend of uh, high-protein flour and bread flour. And, you know, hydration level on our Detroit pizzas are, you know, somewhere in the 75% range. So a little more hydration, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I want to go back a little bit to what you said earlier about starting a concept, right? Starting something new. Um, you know, I think around 2017, I wasn't around the pizza game, but uh, could you please, you know, just share what it was like at Pizza Expo and the craze about square pizzas? What, it, what was it about it? What was going on? Um, you know, from the time that we decided we were going to go into the pizza business, the building that um, uh, we signed the lease for was still under construction. So we had a good, you know, year and a half, two years to really uh, uh, fine tune our, our pizza concept. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm not a chef by trade. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's a lot of reading books uh, after putting the kids down to sleep, just looking on the internet, reading, you know, websites, you know. Magazines. Oh, I totally lost my husband for the year and a half. He literally every other day created dough at home in his like make believe make make like make believe like laboratory that he created and every other day literally lost himself in all of the forums online. Once the kids were down, he was just in his zone with the with his laptop and flour dough, water and yeast. That is so funny. Uh, I feel like anyone who becomes bit by the pizza obsession bug um, never has like some so iteration to that. Are so crazy about pizza, and they're so it's deep. Like, yeah, it is. It was. I never knew, but um, my husband so is part of the. He went on to the deep end, um, so I've lost him into the pizza world. <laughs> um, Ryan, what were you doing before this? Um, I I manage properties. Got it. As a as a property manager? Correct. Okay. So he still, he still has his company. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing that in addition to the pizzeria. Yeah. And he likes to let me know in addition, in addition. <laughs> Y'all are busy people. I mean, um, property managing, pizza, kids, some, some people only have time for one of those. And, um, you know, it's, and dealing with the coronavirus and the times. Now, um, Obviously, this is uh, more. This is these are unprecedented times. Um, things that we're doing on the day to day are abnormal, to say the least. Or sometimes we're just trying to fight fires, defending ourselves, whatever the case may be. But do you still have as much um, energy or willpower to continue the education? Um, how's that been for you? For our children. I'm sorry. Uh, for the pizza. Uh, but I, I, uh, <laughs> oh, there is no educating on pizza right now. We're taking a pause on that. <laughs> Got it. Uh, you're always you... uh, you're always kind of tinkering, you know, with the recipe a little bit, you know, proof times. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I would say you know, uh, thinking about new pizza combinations, you know, new pizza toppings. That's that's probably at the forefront. Um, of, of our thought process, you know, we we're pretty happy with you know um, the crow with the crust. So it's just coming up with uh, um, you know pizza toppings that that uh, people don't see. But it's interesting. A lot of our customers are the ones that help us create our um, new pizza ideas too. We I saw that. Somebody wanted Hawaiian, so we tried to do Hawaiian elevator with honey and pepperoncinis. Somebody wanted to do clam bacon, asked us to do clam bacon. So whenever somebody kind of makes a request, I'll throw it out to Ryan. And then if he likes one, I could see his mind start to think. And then he's he's off. 
and then it's you know creating the curry for the Thai new Thai curry chicken we have or you know so he's always he's always thinking of something I love that. I was actually going to ask you about that clam bacon and how that process got started. So essentially, people just come to your shop. They tell you, hmm, this is what I'm craving. Can you make something? And then shoot it off to Ryan, and then he'll go to his lab and, and start messing around. If if he thinks it's a good fit. If like, he thinks it's a good fit. For instance, everybody kept on asking us to do a chicken pizza, and that one just took forever. We couldn't, like, we didn't want to do the barbecue chicken. We didn't, like, we were going to do a chicken parm, and then, like, was it going to be crispy enough on the rebake? And we were just, it was it just, for some reason, that chicken was really not taking off. And then a customer came in, and she lived upstairs in the building, and she's been a customer from ours from day one. And she said, you know, there's this really great Thai curry chicken that we get in Napa. Um, and I showed Ryan, and I showed him all the ingredients, and finally that one, his eyes lit up. And so he took that, took off with that one and came up with his version of a Thai curry chicken. So yeah, we're, I mean, we pride ourselves in being the local pizzeria, your local pizzeria shop. So we know our customers by name. They come in, they talk to us, they share everything. And they built a lot of our um, pizza topping ideas, came up with it, helped them come up with it. What's the split of like, quote unquote, specialty pizzas and your traditional pepperoni cheese, maybe? Yeah, you know, pepperoni is always going to be the number one seller at any pizzeria. Um, it's easily one third of our business. And I think it's just like pizza. There's something nostalgic about it. You had pepperoni pizza when you were little. You had pepperoni pizza at all the birthday parties. So there's just something about that taste that just brings you back to your childhood. So it's just one third of our business that's never going to go away from the menu. It's there every single day. And um, so our rotating ones are about one-third. We do one-third rotating. Then we do one-third um, swapping out Detroit style versus Sicilian style. So you could have the sausage mushroom in the Sicilian style one day, and then the next day come and try it for the Sicilian, I mean, the Detroit style. So we flip that. And then one-third is just, it's going to be there every single day, our top sellers. Got it. And Ryan, when, you know, when a customer feeds the information to Christina, or maybe you're just, I don't know, brainstorming one day or in, in the shower. Like, what is it about the pizza that you say, hmm, that could potentially be on the menu? What, <laughs> what's going on in your head? I want to know that too. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, you know, like, for example, um, uh, one of our, our uh, uh, popular pizzas is this caramelized onion pizza. And, um, um, you know, some, some of the flavors in there, you know, I just derived from um, a French onion soup. You know, I'm a fan of French onion soup. And so, you know, well, what's in French onion soup? A Gruyere cheese, uh, you know, uh, caramelized onions. So, yeah, uh, you know, it, if it tastes good in another form, it'll probably taste good on a pizza. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of how, you know, I think about, you know, uh, topping combinations. That's so interesting. I, uh, I see it. I see it that way sometimes too. Um, you know, I don't know if I could make myself a ice cream cone pizza, <laughs> right? Cause they go together. What I like to tell people, um, is similar to what you said, but if it tastes good on bread or any type of like flour, uh, or wheat, excuse me, wheat product, it might go well on top of pizza. That's my belief. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, French onion soup, sometimes it has like, a, it's served in one of those really hot ramekins, right? But yeah. then also sometimes you see it in uh, with bread. Is that what they stuff it in? What is little, that? A little piece of bread on top. Ah, okay. So our theories align there. French onion soup <laughs> tastes good, and then there's like there's something made with made out of wheat there. Exactly right. Yeah, cool. This podcast is really about encouraging others to start their pizza business, right? Yeah. Or it doesn't have to be a restaurant. You know, there are so many so many forms. What message do you have for someone who's looking to start that up? Um, I think 
I think a lot of times, I mean, everybody wants to start their own restaurant. Um, it is literally the hardest thing you'll ever, ever, ever do. But at the same time, it is the most rewarding. Like, there, there were so many nights where it was just, like, endless the amount of times where there was just problem opening the location. We were one of the first... Um, retail tenants to open in the building. So we had PG&E problems. We had Comcast problems. It was like literally every single time we were taking two steps ahead, something would bring us one step back. And it's your money that you're doing it with. You're doing it with your, you're doing it with your children's um, college fund money. To, you know, so it's everything just relies on you guys. And that load, when you're, when you're getting ready to open, just multiplies. The closer you get to opening day, the more stuff just piles on you. So it is, when they say blood, sweat, and tears, they mean blood, sweat, and tears. But through all of that pain, when you go into the pizzeria, when we go in there and we open the door and we turn on the lights in the morning, it is ours. And that feeling of it being ours, you will work that much harder because it is yours. You care that much more that the food goes out the way it should be. You care that much more about your customers coming in. So, you know, all those stupid cliches are all, not stupid, but all those cliches are true. You know, it's like the hardest, it's the most rewarding, it's, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. But um, you do it because that's what they say, you love to do it. You know, I love being in front of the house and talking to all my customers. Ryan really has always enjoyed being in the kitchen. So merging those two, as hard as it is, it is rewarding, it is. That's amazing. And what kind of, you know, aside from that feeling, right? What else propelled you? What else could propel someone if they, if you know, they need to get through a tough time if, oh man, I'm starting to lose sight of that. This is my feeling that this is, I'm, I'm losing sight of that pride of ownership, right? Corona's tying me down. Other mental cases or external factors, what else propelled you uh, to get through all of this and, and continue on? Um, oh, it's definitely our employees. I mean, even if me and me and Ryan, we just opened the pizzeria. We were getting towards breaking even and, you know, getting into on the other side, but we, we had just been open a year and a half. So technically we could have closed and me and Ryan would have been okay, but we stayed open because we have 13 employees that need to take home a paycheck to their families. So we do it for them too. They are just as much as uh, important to us as, you know, as any other part. So we go to their talent shows, we go to their quinceañeras, we do all of that. So they're also the ones that push us forward and, you know, help us up when, when we were, when we SIP first started, they stepped up, we stepped up for them and they stepped up for us. So they are also the backbone to the restaurant and we do it for them too. So as hard as it is for employees, as I mean, employers, at the end of the day, you have such a great crew that needs you. So with all of that, we we end up better and they give us the strength. So do our customers. You know, when we were in the depths of SIP, we would get notes on um, Uber Eats or DoorDash and it would say, thank you for being open or thanks for providing lunch for us. We would have customers waving through the window, just checking in, thank you for guys staying open or you know, good to see that you guys, your doors are still open. So it's also the customers and your employees that will help support you when the times are tough and that will get you through it. You can't do it on your own. Employees, the customer, they're the foundation of your business. Shoot, you can have the best dough. If you don't have it down with employees and customers, shoot, good luck. Good freaking luck. That is amazing and well, well, well said. Oh, thank um, you. My mother has two other, she's had two taquerias roughly for about 15 years, and she's had the same crew since she opened. So I learned from her how to take care of our employees. And then, you know, Ryan and I have learned from her how to take care of our employees. So we've had the same crew from day one ourselves, and we hope to follow in her footsteps and have a crew that stays with us for decades. You talked a little bit earlier about how you just opened not too long ago. You're about to get ready to get into the green. And if all hell went loose, you would still be okay. Right. Um, what was, what were your startup costs? Did you have investors? Anything you can tell someone listening who maybe wants to start up in San Francisco, three part question, but feel free to take on whatever you want. 
San Francisco is an animal and a beast in itself to open up a restaurant. It's very, very difficult. Um, I think after doing this, we built it from the ground up. We would never do that again in a brand new building. That was like, ugh. Yeah, a brand new building. No. Uh, we, we wouldn't do a new build out in a brand new building. You know, uh, for example, uh, the building, um, the gas to the building, uh, wasn't even uh, hooked up yet. Uh, so since we were one, of, we were the first tenant in the build in the retail section to need gas. Um, you know, we had to wait for PG&E to build out uh, the manifold. And so, yeah, uh, you know, same with uh, having internet. You know, uh, you know, because it's a brand new building. It wasn't wired. It wasn't wired for for internet yet. So there's just a lot of infrastructure work uh, that needed to be done. You know. So. And honestly speaking, right now, from what the what I've read and what the data shows, a lot of businesses didn't make it to the other side after the pandemic. So I would say maybe twenty to twenty five percent of restaurants will be closed when all this is said and done. <laughs> So there's absolutely no need to do a build out. There's so many business restaurants that are have folded that you can easily buy at half the cost, open up and just do a redo of the interior since the build out is already already in there. Wow. That's a great insight. So are we going to buy are we going to team up and buy some commercial property together? I, I know I know a property manager that would work well with us. Exactly right. But that's what I, for anybody who's starting, and especially in San Francisco, you know, the permit process takes forever, just, you know, it's just all so bottled up everywhere. So if you are really, really thinking of doing something in San Francisco, then I highly recommend, you know, waiting a couple months to see how this pandemic pans out and then just buying a, um, taking over a restaurant that closed their doors. It's the easiest way. That's great advice. That's great advice. Um, so we're almost wrapping up here, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this. The show is called What's Good Dough, in your opinion. What's good dough? I think um, light, airy, but it's also the hardest dough to work with. Like, the wetter it is, the more um, water is involved. I know that it just gets harder to work with, but light and fluffy, we like that. But honestly, is there really bad pizza style? I mean, I don't think so, right? Like... Who doesn't like a nice little like crispy Neapolitan one day? Who doesn't want a thick Chicago style on a you know cold winter day? So pizza just translates to whatever and wherever. It's just comfort food for anywhere around the world at any time. Brian? Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, it seems like there's a uh, uh, you know pan pizzas is you know a lot of a lot of pizzerias are are experimenting with pan pizza, you know, um, you know, who doesn't like fluffy with a nice, crispy, crunchy bottom, you know, and a cheesy top, you know, so, uh, yeah, it seems like, you know, pan pizzas are really taking off, you know. And here to stay. I believe that. They're delicious. <laughs> uh, Tony G, you know, yeah, made that. Get at um, Chase Center. Right. Yeah, inside. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, very much loved by the community, and it it has to stay. It's gonna stay for sure. Um, any any other words for listeners? It could be about anything pizza related, or just anything related. Excuse me. Any last words for you know, like a closing message for the listeners? Um, I think since you're saying the topic is like you know how to open up your own pizzeria. Really just take the time. You have to love it. It's something that you're. if you end up doing, it's going to be easily 12, 12 hours of your day that you're going to be spend time thinking about, working on, you know. So you really got to love that pizza. And you got to love the smell of it because it's in your hair and your clothes. When you come back at home, you're just looking at it, making new pizza ideas. You're looking at, it's like 12, 16 hours of your day is going to be pizza related. So unless you love pizza, like you really got to love it with all your heart and soul and then work hard, take care of your people, take care of your customers and 
at the end of the day, you should be all right. That's amazing. I love that. That's so positive. And that's definitely what I'm trying to show. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of positives. You could list all the countless positive benefits about starting a pizza business. Um, you know, there are a lot of negatives, too. And you've you've definitely explained that it's it's a ton of work. It is a ton of work. You're going to have to grind it out. You're going to have hard decisions to make. You're going to take two steps forward, one step back. And it is a ride. It's a journey. It's a juggling act with another business, family. I'm sure you have family business duties, all of that stuff. And you also have to be the support for your employees and customers. And you've said it all. You've laid it all out. And that is such an amazing message. So thank you for sharing that us on this was a pleasure this is our first um duo interview this is mine too i've i've had a couple on the books you know and they've kept getting pushed back and that's what they get i was only expecting to uh interview christina and and then when i got right i was like what the let's do this um so thank you uh where can people find you facebook uh Instagram at Pizza Square SF. Uh, website is yeah Pizza Square SF dot com. So yeah, we're yeah. Um, our IG feed right now is heavily um, into the Black Lives Matter movement, so we have a lot of good FAQs up there on how to support um, the community. So if you guys want to take a look at our IG, we have a lot of information out there about the cause as well. Amazing. Um... Do you have a hard stop? Because actually, if you have a couple more minutes to talk about your involvement in that, if you want to make that more well-known, love to hear it. Yeah, we could do that. I think that's highly important that we talk about it that. It is. Yeah. I, some, some politics, religion, and money. I try to ask those as, you know, as <laughs> very careful. Um, so what do you feel about, you know, just everything going on? Um, it's a lot. It's heavy. And it's an important time, but what, what can we do? We have to help. We have to stand up. And it's not a moment to be silent. It's a moment to get loud. I look at all the protesters and am filled with overwhelming joy that they are going out there doing the good work, doing the good job, making the changes. San Francisco, we live, you know, we live in this bubble where it's hard to see what um, we live in this kind of magical bubble where we don't really see all of, you know, as much negativity as the rest of the world sees. And so it's easy for us to kind of get used to our environment, but it's it's not the case. And we do have to make a stand and we do have to make tough decisions. So um, I have, I you know, we have a person that works, that helps us with our social media. So we do um, have somebody that does that for us. And I have never been more thankful. She is so in tune. She is so on point with all of the causes. And me and her had a, you know, we had a conversation and we're like, do we promote, you know, pizzeria stuff or do we stop and promote, you know, this movement? And me and her, we were gelling, we're on the same page. We're like, this is bigger. This is bigger than like, who cares about the pizzeria at this point? Like, we're, let's stop all, you know, posts regarding the pizzeria. It just has to be about the movement. So we were doing that the past two weeks. She's so amazing. She's so on point. She put all these great FAQs up. She's in Korea right now. And so, you know, there's there's a protest going on in Korea. This is like global people. This is not just a U.S. problem. This is a global problem. So that's kind of been our messaging recently. But um we also had a huge family donation of um, come in recently, and we'll, we will be partnering up with Black youth programs and sponsoring lunches for them and giving back to the community. But if, if all the restaurants could just take this time to support our Black communities, that's what we need to do. Oh, my goodness. That is so, so, so important that y'all are getting involved. Um, because, yeah, it, it needs awareness. It's, you know, Chris Rock said it. We don't need bad apples in certain industries. It is outraging the fact that people are in it, you know, that people are losing their lives, right? Over this hot mess. And you and what you said earlier about just, you know, putting pizza on pause and just highlighting everything that's going on is so necessary. But also I, you know, I, I wouldn't say like cut pizza altogether, but figure out how you integrate your platform with 
what's going on. And I see that you're doing that. You're definitely raising money. You're going to provide food. You know, I, I look at the people and while they post a black screen on their IG, that's great, but it also gets lost in the noise. It's reinforcing for sure. But how, what more can we do? Because this absolutely needs to stop. Right. Yes. Um, and so I'm so glad. What more can we do? And the emphasis on more. So what has been done is clearly not enough. So what more can we do? And, you know, I want to point something out that Ryan and Christina are not sure. I wouldn't say it's your average pizza restaurant owner. Most of these businesses are owned by, you know, male, not, you know, Caucasian males right and there's nothing wrong with that but i would love to just point out and celebrate our diversity um christina is korean and then ryan is chinese correct yes and i'm filipino you know and just race individuality diversity is a beautiful thing and we need to celebrate it and when we oppress people um that's the complete opposite of what we should be doing yeah, now, now is the time to stand up. Which side of history are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side that you just stood quiet and let it, you know, you were uncomfortable and you just didn't want to get into the discussion? I mean, that, that was yesterday's news. Today's news is about getting loud, about not staying, standing quiet, about standing up. For ev It's the cause for everybody. I, we have two small children. What world do I want my children to live in? That's the world that we will create for them. And then they have the opportunity to make it better. But in this moment with, you know, COVID hitting, we, our IG was like, you know, FAQs on, you know, how to stay safe during COVID. And then this hit. So I use our platform not only to, you know, promote what's going on at the pizzeria, but also what um, what is happening in the world and what are causes dear to our hearts. So, you know, obviously it was COVID. Where can, you know, you can come on our to on our IG and we told you about testing sites nearby and, you know, what we're doing with them. And you can come on our IG and learn FAQs on how to support Black, the you know, your Black community. So we use our platform for everything. And it's just such a great way to reach out to people, show your message, and um, share share information, which is so important during these times. Yeah, share information, share awareness. That's amazing. And I'm glad you were, just to use your, your word, gelling with your social media strategist on how to do this. You know, I rely on my wife to be hip with social media. She's reading Twitter every day. And mm -hmm. she was the one who was like, you need to be ahead of this, right? Um, like, forget political, you know, correctness and just go, right? Tell them, tell them how you feel and use it. And so I'm glad you had someone to kind of run those uh, those opinions by what what is is it the person that I connected with when I initially right. reached out with exactly right Jen Media Jen Media yes That's amazing amazing she was like in the she was in Korea when it all hit so she was give, relaying us messages from there and now with this me and her we're just kind of like on the same page so it's been such a blessing when I come up with ideas then she just runs with it and finds like you know the best way I'm hooked on phonics by the way so she just makes everything you know just sound more eloquent and just sound better and more professional <laughs> I feel that I feel that I'm definitely hooked on phonics too if it wasn't for my wife correcting my essays and she's like pay attention to this i still uh i guess blurb out and ramble and <laughs> i just try to improve day by day i feel it though <laughs> exactly english was my second language but hey you gotta love it you gotta love who you are there's nothing wrong with race or color right we just it we're people we make mistakes and but at the end of the day we are people and we should be treated as such and not animals just because you see something different that's not ordinary. A million percent, a million percent. And the more we talk about it, the more comfortable we get with it. And the more we learn from each other and the way, you know, it's all just discuss discussing the issues. I'm comfortable sitting here right now, like more comfortable than when we started this for sure. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on it. I, you know, I didn't want to put you in a position um, but I'm so glad we, we got there. Yes, yes, yes. The louder, the louder the message we can send, the louder it goes. So thank Amazing. you for letting me speak on that. For sure. 
um, I'm going to end the recording here, but is there anything else that you want to add? No, we just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity and listening to us ramble for an hour. <laughs> like Likewise. And no, it wasn't rambling at all. You all had, um, you know, you bring such a unique experience being a husband and wife team, the first husband and wife team that I've gotten on here. And I'm 100% certain other husband and wife pizzeria owners or just business owners in general are going to want love to hear this and just so much so much value in these in this last hour so oh, thank you thank you thank you please stop by the pizzeria we'd like to thank you in person i would love to stop by and say hi yes. and try that korean pizza yes. i'm gonna i'm gonna admire it i've been working on one myself oh it's still your idea okay yeah bring it, bring it we'd love to try it amazing thank you so much let's You're do welcome. that i look forward to the day we can do that Yes, you let us know, okay? Ryan and Christina, thank you so much for being amazing guests. I really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate everything that you shared. Um, for the listeners, I hope you all enjoyed it. I can't read your minds, though. So if you want me to make longer podcasts, shorter podcasts, if you want me to talk less, if you want me to talk more, you got to let me know. So please give me a a comment on Instagram, a rating on Apple Podcasts so that I can continue to create a better podcast uh, for the future. Other than that, I hope you all enjoy and tune in next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the What's Good Dough podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you share it. If you want to get in touch with me, follow us on Instagram at What's Good Dough. And remember to always ask, What's Good Dough?